0: Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. In this episode, I'm answering some of the questions that you guys have sent me and also I'm going to play this very interesting recording that one of our wonderful listeners sent us in response to episode and how she was able to transform her sexual desire after being in a sexless relationship for a while. So definitely stay tuned. My apologies if there's been a few weeks delay in answering some of these questions. Uh, Unfortunately, this has been very emotional Year for me, lots of different things happen, and how I usually cope with emotional challenges and things that come up is I take time off to do training/slash vacation. So I just returned from Hawaii. One of the wonderful couples therapists that I respect, Terry Real was presenting at the conference in Kauai. So I was able to see him learn lots of good strategies and intervention to use with couples and also gave me some time to reflect and pause and breathe. And I came back refreshed and ready. And first thing I'm recording some of the questions that you guys have. Also, if I'm answering a question and you, it resonates with you, but also you have other suggestions, I would love it if you can help us with answering these questions by record your solution and feedback at sexologypodcast.com. All you need to do is to say which of the questions you're answering and leave us a feedback and I will replay it in the show if I find it helpful. So here's the first clip.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Bob. I'm just trying to
0: get some uh advice about a long distance relationship that I'm in. I've been texting this young lady for about six months. um I'm in the u s she's in Vietnam. She is Russian, and uh, I'm gonna go see her for the first time next week, so I have concerns about uh, my own sexual desires and staying faithful and that sort of thing. And even if this long distance relationship can work, um, we seem to be getting along pretty well on Skype and talk a lot. So that's a good thing. Just would like your advice. Thanks. Well, Bob, I have tons of feedback when it comes to long distance relationship. I've been in several of them. And I had mixed experiences with them. First of all, how exciting that with the use of technology, you were able to connect with this woman that you've been texting, Skyping for six months. So this is not a, a one night kind of deal. It seems like you find yourself attracted to her for several months. Now you're thinking about the next step. I'm excited and curious to see how was the result of your visit with her since so a few weeks pass and you send it send this to me but when it comes to long distance relationships there are few things that's important for you to keep in mind i wrote about it in huffington post i contributed to the article on long distance relationship we had a podcast episode around it with one of the psychologists that she lives in france i leave a link in the show notes to all of those so you can look into further resources but I want you to take it one step at a time. So the first step is like, you find yourself attracted to this partner, you're going to visit her. And the reason that I'm saying that take it one step at a time is that sometimes I see it in my clients, when they build this expectation, they get disappointed or they put too much pressure on themselves and its impact, their functioning and their experience. Whenever it comes comes to meeting this new partner, I want you to look at it as a fun experience. As, okay, I'm going to see this person and kind of wait and see what would unfold. So I, I don't want you to kind of add pressure to yourself with saying that, uh, how am I going to make it work? But I guess if you met with her, which this is my guess by now, and you feel that, okay, this is a person that I'm interested in, there is some sexual chemistry here, what can we do as next step? If you are finding yourself attracted to the partner, I want you to maybe have an open communication with her about what do you see in the relationship? I want you to be honest with yourself. Is this something that you see a future? Are you planning to move abroad? Are you planning to bring her in? Is there a long-term plan for you? And you don't need to know exactly, but it impacts your decision. For example, if this is something that you are thinking there's no end date to it, that can be a you need to have a different approach versus thinking about. I'm assessing to see if this is something that can turn to a long term relationship with me or her kind of moving into the same town or same country together. So I want you to kind of assess where you are, what's your goal overall when it comes to relationship in this season of your life. And the next step is. Kind of talking to her about it, seeing what she sees, what's her expectation around this. So it's really, really important to be clear about it. For example, if she, her plan is to kind of move in with someone, kind of be in a committed relationship in one location with someone within six months, and you have no plan of being in that setting, that can give you good information at the beginning about what, how do you need to approach this. But if you have this conversation with her, if you find that, okay, you guys, our goals are aligned as far as the path to this relationship, the next step is to talk about the fidelity agreement. Are you thinking about monogamous relationship or are you thinking about consensual non-monogamy? Because many, many people have very successful relationships with consensual non-monogamy when it comes to a long distance partner, because the way that they make it work is that they are sexual with other partners when their partner is not in town and they are able to get their sexual needs met. And if this is a setting that you want, this is the arrangement that you want, then you can have an open communication about what's okay and what's not okay. How much of it do you want to communicate with each other? What are some of the safe sex practices that's important for you guys to have in place? But if what you want is a monogamous relationship... It's also important to talk about the monogamous agreement. What is it okay? What constitutes cheating? Is it cheating if you're having a coffee with someone? Is it cheating if you're flirting with someone? Because I think it can be challenge challenging situation for everyone, but specifically, if you're not uh, in the same place with your partner, sometimes this insecurities amplifies. And it's important to have some guideline about what is it okay in the relationship and what's not so this is around the monogamous agreement I think if after you're having this conversation with her there are tons of ways that you can keep passion and sex hot and heavy in the long-distance relationship you said you're already doing sexing you can do tons of sexting depending on the comfort level you guys can use some very exciting teledonic things that are out there that you can use each party can use and it's pretty much almost feels like you're having sex with each other. It's very interesting stuff out there. Definitely Google it, search it. And it's really important to have sex sex time scheduled in your calendar, kind of thinking about maybe like one Friday per month, just specifically dedicated to our kind of sexual activity. And you can do tons of fun and creative things to spice things up. Totally depends on your comfort level, your partner's comfort level, but I encourage you to not necessarily postpone it to the times that you guys are seeing each other, but make sure that make sure that you are working on kind of like energizing this eroticism and sexual energy in the relationship when you guys are apart from each other. Again, don't think that like because you guys are living separately, this relationship is doomed. Regardless if you want to do monogamous or non-monogamous relationship, it can be a fantastic experience. One of my sex therapy supervisor, I loved her. She was, she she is older and, oh, when we were talking about this kind of non-monogamous relationship, she was always uh, talking about this movie same time next year. I haven't watched it before. Uh, she introduced it to me. It's, it's a movie that was made on In 70s, but now I'm obsessed with it. So it's about the story of the couples that they kept their monogamous, consensual non-monogamy arrangements going for years and decades. And it talks about how meaningful it it was for them. So definitely check it out. Now I'm obsessed with that movie. And there are not necessarily one way of doing the uh, long distance relationship right, just a matter of what is a good way of doing it for you. And lastly, you ask about desire. I'm not sure what you meant by that. Sometimes when my client talks about, they talk about desire is about how kind of asking me about how things, the potential challenges that might unfold around first sexual encounter. So if you're worried about what if you're not finding her kind of like desirable, or what if you're not able to perform, because sometimes when my clients are super excited, it's hard for them to maintain erection. So it's important to be open with her and kind of saying that, you know, sometimes when I'm excited, it's hard for me to get an erection and Kind of like have this open conversation with her. Definitely let us know how it goes. I'm, I'm curious to see if now after a few weeks, are you still pursuing it? And if you have further questions, please let us know.
1: Hello, Dr. Molly. Thank you for your great podcast. I have a strong sexual desire with uh, taller and bigger girls. And I just want to know how could I manage it with my current status? I'm right now married. Should I share it with my wife? How could I proceed with this fantasy? Thank you.
0: I am so glad that you are thinking about talking about your fantasy with your wife. This is not the first time I'm hearing about men fantasizing about bigger women or women in power, but I have fewer recommendations. I want you and invite you to think about it before you're sharing this fantasy with your wife. First, I want you to pause and reflect what is the meaning of this fantasy to you. And it doesn't mean like every time we're talking about it with our partner we need to psychoanalyze ourselves but the reason I want you to pause and think is this is one of those fantasies if you know the meaning and kind of you're able to extract what's sexy in this context for you will help you to play it out with your partner. Because I'm thinking if your partner is, you're interested in taller and bigger women and your partner is someone that's petite and uh, small and shorter, then that would be harder for her to kind of play this fantasy if you're not giving her enough information. So I want you to pause and think, is this about the power like a stronger woman kind of be having sex with stronger women, meaning that you are having a sex with someone that's powerful. Does it mean that it's necessarily about the physique or the power exchange thing? Part of it is also erotic. And it's very helpful to kind of reflect back on the first time you had that fantasies. Sometimes people have these fantasies when it's rooted from their fantasy about their babysitter. And kind of if then if that, a context you can play out that context so i want you to pause and kind of like reflect on it, journal on about what is it about this uh, fantasy that makes it exciting for you and i want you to be intentional about it when you are thinking about talking about it with your partner i'm kind of curious about your purpose first of all many research show us that when we are disclosing things with our partner it promotes emotional closeness but I'm not naive. I've I heard enough situation that people share their fantasies with their partner, not necessarily tactfully, and it caused them cause eruption in the relationship. That's why I want you to think about why are you sharing this? Is this purely for sharing it to perhaps feel closer to your partner? Is there a way that you can incorporate your partner? into this fantasy for example if you want to play it out one way is like your your wife telling you about this story while you guys are making love or having intercourse, so this story of you with a stronger, taller woman, so if she's open to it. But if it's about the power exchange dynamic, is there any way that you can do a role play that incorporates that? So I want you to think about if you are inviting her to play this out, then how can she play it out given the the person that she is, like if she's shorter or she's mid-height, it would be harder to become a taller woman or bigger girl. So if it's a role that she can take on, and perhaps it has same effect, that can be helpful to share with her. If you are thinking about opening up the relationship and kind of thinking about okay maybe we want to have a threesome with a woman who's a bigger and taller then that's a different approach so be clear about what what is it about this fantasy that's erotically charged for you be intentional about how are you going to approach it with your partner and how can she help you played out if this is something that uh, you're interested to act out with your partner. And the other part of it, when whenever you guys are talking about sexual fantasies, It's really important to think about timing of it. When are you going to bring it up? You're already married, but sometimes people are talking about this fantasies too early in the relationship, and that is a deal breaker, and the person might kind of freak out. But if you're already married, then it seems like it's a good time to talk to her about it. And my recommendation is definitely schedule a time outside the bedroom to talk to her about it sometimes we're kind of talking about these things in the middle of the sexual activity and my our partner might feel overwhelmed so but if it's scheduled outside the bedroom that gives you opportunity to talk about it more clearly and it gives opportunity to your partner to talk about it more more openly as well and ask you questions about it one thing that i learned from one of my clients that i love that they had naked happy hours so the every every week certain time they were getting naked and they had cocktails and that was a time they were talking about their sex life so it doesn't mean like you have to be kind of like have this serious conversation it can be over a naked cocktail but it's important to be scheduled it's important for you to think about what you're gonna say to her And also, it's important to kind of be mindful of how much you're sharing. So start with a kind of open-ended question about, honey, what are some of the fantasies that you're having? Or have you ever thought about us changing things up around our sex life? So my recommendation is start with a small the self-disclosure and kind of have this open-ended question it's in order to gauge and see where your partner is with that. And chances are, if you are sharing things with her, she's going to have things to talk about. So it's almost like a transaction. So if you want her to be open to your ideas, it's important for you to model openness. So I hope this is helpful for you. The other recommendation that I have, if she is not open to this, it's okay. We are into so many things that our partners are not into it the same way that we like foods that are necessarily our partner are not into it. What's important is for you to find other ways to incorporate this in maybe in your solo sex during masturbation and kind of perhaps maybe your partner changes her mind or at times evolve, you will be able to find other fantasies that you might be able to explore it with your partner. Hi, my husband's impotent, and it's been impotent for years since I met him. So we tried to inject it, only worked a few times. Viagra didn't
1: work, and we never went back. Any suggestions?
0: Well, I'm sorry to hear that you guys are struggling with this for such a long time. And I'm not uh, loving the wording of it. I'm, I'm thinking what you're referring to, is erectile dysfunction, because it can, importance means so many things to so many different people. So if this is erectile dysfunctions, I'm going to share with you a few things that I share with many of my clients. Perhaps you already got medical evaluation, but first thing I want you to do for anyone who's struggling is to go to a urologist who's an expert in sexual medicine. So you go there and you share the information with the urologist and they often do hormonal testing and they do sometimes nerve testing to make sure everything is working well because when it comes to erection, uh, there are part of it is mental, mental functioning, part of it is physiological functioning, part of it is psychological functioning. So I'm kind of curious what got unfolded from the medical evaluation that you guys had. If the issue is medical, there are so many great options out there. So if it's a hormonal issues with testosterone, like some of my clients had good experience with, with testosterone injection, testosterone creams, many times you can change your diet and habits, and that can impact uh, your testosterone levels at times when it comes to a holistic approach. I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant. So I don't want you to take, again, I know I, d- I might not apply to you, but as for other listeners, I don't want you guys to take a random supplement from online, but I've seen clients that they were able to manage their and increase their testosterone level Purely by, and shockingly by high number, purely by diet and exercise. The other approach that many people know is taking PD-5 inhibitors. It's like Viagra, Cialis, many of those medication that's that can be helpful and can give you extra boost. Many people use vacuum devices. I heard tons and tons of good experience from my clients who had used injection. I know injections might sound scary to you guys, but the needles are super small and my clients that struggle with medication, they found the injection fantastic. And also if none of those things work and the issue is physical penile implants are another option. We had A wonderful urologist who's one of the best in the field in the show a few months ago, and he talked about penile implants, and he does tons of it. And I heard about him from other physicians. So you can check it out if that's something that you're interested in. And sometimes these issues could be psychological, only psychological, or psychological and physiological. So it's important to see a sex therapist and work with a sex therapist to help people to to work through some of those psychological challenges. Sometimes it comes from the place of anxiety. These clients are feeling very anxious and sensitive and it's hard for them during sex to be able to pay attention or kind of ha- remain in this optimal state of mental wellness because we don't want to be super excited we don't want to be under stimulated and it can be a fine balance so uh, with appropriate sex therapy you can learn how to manage your anxiety better if that is an issue but since this is an issue with your husband and you're calling us, I would be curious to see what have you guys as a couple try to address that? Because I don't want you to feel that then he's not able to get an erection, meaning that the sex life is non-existent, so you guys are not able to have sex, because tons of heavy and fun, heavy, hot and heavy sex, I feel like I have been using this term a lot during this episode. But that's how I feel about it. it can happen without an erected penis. And I'm not saying that even like even if you don't if you're able to get the most firm penis, I encourage you to use other things during sex that can make sex more exciting or new and ex- novel. So some of the suggestions is mutual masturbation or oral sex, or it could be practicing tantric breathing, focusing on other areas that help you to have and experience orgasm. We all have tons of erogenous zones in our bodies. And maybe, it's a time for you guys to explore some of those erogenous zones together. The other recommendation is to use sex toys. There are tons of fun sex toys that you can use. If If you are focused on penetration, sex toys can be great, great things to augment this. If the issue for him is like losing erection, there are things that he, there are toys that help him to maintain erection. So I encourage you guys to kind of expand your definition of sex and I invite you to have this conversation about what are some of the tools that you can use that's not necessarily tools and strategies and forms of having uh, sexual experiences that's not necessarily focused on penile-vaginal penetration? And I can, I can guarantee you there are tons of interesting things that you haven't tried. And this can help you to explore some of those things. Uh, so if you have any questions about those, I would be happy to guide you to some of the resources I have. I know this is challenging, especially if you've been going having the struggles for a number of years, but I want you to follow the steps that I said. And definitely have a conversation about alternative modes of having the sexual experiences together.
1: Hi, doctor. I have symptoms of premature ejaculations and erectile dysfunction. What do I have to do?
0: So this question is kind of similar to the previous one. So uh, we t- I talked in length about erectile dysfunction. I wanted to talk about a little bit about the premature ejaculation piece. So definitely, as I talked about it in the, in response to the previous listener, go for medical evaluation. Sex therapy can be a fantastic way to address this. Also, there are ways that you can get more ejaculatory control. In the recent literature, we we talk about someone having premature ejaculation if they ejaculate within one minute of intercourse. And you can certainly increase the timing of your ejaculation through practice. So if currently it's at 30 seconds, you can work it up to five minutes or longer, but once one thing that I wanted I want you to keep in mind is that longer intercourse doesn't mean like better sex. And I know that right now it might sound kind of like ridiculous, but I, I've been at the other end of the conversation with many, many women that they hated that they had this uh, longer intercourse and so they talked about the partner feel like they were jabbing them. And there's just no nothing exciting about that. So you can be a better lover with being attuned to your partner partners need, but not necessarily not focusing on firmness of the penis or how long you last. So beside the medication, beside the medical evaluation, medication route that i mentioned and sex therapy another strategy that i recommend people when they are interested to increase the time of their timing of their ejaculation is this directed masturbation method it's it's a behavioral strategy what you do is you start masturbating so when you get to the point that it's eight or nine let's say seven or eight in the in the excitement level 10 means ejaculation i want you to stop and let the arousal subside so stop touching yourself let the arousal subside and when you lose direction i want you to start again and I want you to start timing it so you can kind of build on that. And maybe after for first time, after like five, 10 minutes, you can allow yourself to release the ej- uh, ejaculate, and you can increase the timing like that. This what it was this exercise does, it helps you to gain more mastery around your ejaculation and also helps you to be more in tune with your body. So, for example, if you are, if you are to have doing this intercourse. If you are penetrating your partner and you're noticing that, okay, I want to make sure this is last longer, I'm not ready to ejaculate, you can just pull out and explore other ways of lovemaking, pleasing your partner. And then when you feel like your arousal dropped, then you can go back to penetration method. So this can be a very effective strategy if you are doing it on a regular basis and you're practicing it, so I say start with kind of practicing it three to four times per week, increase the timing from five minutes to 10 minutes. Again, there are tons of different strategies that you can use. This is only one of them, but definitely start from doing this directed masturbation
1: method. Dear Dr. Moali, I recently listened to episode 132 on female sexual interest and arousal disorder, also known by its acronym FSIAD. I worry that many of the women who experience symptoms of FSIAD do so because they assume that they are, are heterosexual when they may not be. That was me. I was with my husband for 30 years and we struggled with FSIAD symptoms for most, if not all of our relationships. Our marriage was basically sexless in that we had sex fewer than six times per year. I had no desire for sex and felt sexually numb. I did not experience sexual attraction to my husband, and since I was in a committed relationship, I did not allow myself to experience or even recognize sexual attraction to anyone else. My husband and I were in marriage and sex counseling several different times and for several years to see if we could improve our relationship. I also had my hormone levels screened a few times to see if there was a medical issue. There was not. All of these providers believed, just like I did, that I was heterosexual. Eventually, my husband and I realized that we needed to make a choice. We saw three options. The first was to stay married and have zero sex. The second was to divorce. The third was to open up our relationship. He didn't want a sexless marriage, and I wasn't convinced that divorce was the answer. So we opened up our relationship. We were honest with our teenagers and let them know their father was going to start dating and that we were not divorcing. I let our kids know that I wasn't interested in dating, but I was fine with their dad dating. At this point, I was leaning toward identifying as asexual. I was very relieved when my husband started dating another woman. As the months went on, however, I realized I wasn't ready to fully identify as asexual. I was only 48. And I didn't feel comfortable saying that the rest of my life was going to be non-sexual. So, I made an intellectual decision to seek out a same-sex experience. I started dating a woman and we quickly became sexual. I felt so sexually alive. I had a lot to learn. However, I had finally realized that I was gay. Now, when I look back at my younger years, I can see clues that I was probably gay my entire life. I just didn't recognize it at the time. My husband and I eventually divorced and continue to have a friendly relationship. Since coming out in my late 40s as a gay woman, I have met many other women who also discovered their homosexuality late in life. I wish our stories were told more frequently and that more therapists and providers recognized this phenomenon. I would love to help other women discover their sexuality earlier in their lives than I did. Have you heard of this phenomenon? Do you know of anyone in your field with experience and expertise on this subject? I think you are an excellent interviewer, Dr. Moali. I appreciate the guests you select and also the skill with which you redirect and encourage some of your guests to be more inclusive of the LGBTQIA population. Thank you for creating such an important podcast. Thank you
0: so much
1: for sharing your story with us.
0: This, this I'm sure, resonates with many of our listeners. I'm glad you found the episode on f at helpful. And this is something that you, shockingly, this is not the first time I heard it. I'm so glad you were able to find sexual excitement and desire in your life. And I love that you talked about this intellectual decision seeking same-sex relations because sometimes when we've been in this rot of no desire for years and years, it is hard to even imagine that you're able to have a satisfying sexual experience. So kudos for you. I'm so excited that you were able to reclaim your sexuality. Many, many times I feel women are not necessarily prioritizing their sexual wellness in the relationship because they were taught that it's not important, sex is not something that good women are focusing on, it's shallow, it's not meaningful. And sometimes people put this label of asexual orientation very quickly. In my practice, often see when I see struggles with desire, I see oftentimes relational issues, health issues, psychological shame and guilt related to sex. At times they are, people are in the relationship with the wrong gender. All of these things are very possible. And I want all of our female listeners to know that your sexual wellness is important. Your desire is important. And experiencing desire is kind of feeding into your eroticism. It is a form of self-care. So if you are feeling you're not, Where you want to be in, in your sexual. Desire Spectrum. I wrote this ebook on this that I would be happy to share with you. I have some ideas about what you can do to increase your sexual desire. You can you can follow the link in the show notes on how to get the book. It's completely free. If you are on my newsletter, you already got it this week. Definitely make sure you're checking it out because I think it's really important for you to practice this skill of cultivating sexual desire desire because most of the time, it can be something that you need to cultivate. And because of the negative messages that you got from society, many people, they don't know what's desirable for them or they don't allow themselves to experience it. So I want you to take time to kind of explore it. And the first good step would be reading this ebook. I hope you find it helpful. This was all the questions and feedback I had for this week. If you have a question that you want me to answer in a podcast, Make sure you're recording your voice at sexologypodcast.com. I love you and thank you so much for listening to this show and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.